Hello, everyone. You're listening to the Lucky Star Show and Tell podcast, and I'm your host, Lisa Field, owner and director of Lucky Star Art Camp, a women's art and whole living sleepaway camp held annually on the banks of the Guadalupe River in Hunt, Texas. On today's podcast, I'll be talking to Lucky Star instructor Carolyn Marco. Carolyn is a Dallas native with a passion for creating, teaching, and helping others. Former creative director and jewelry designer for Fossil, she traded the corporate world for a chance to focus on more creative experiences through her business, Kiki Knows Art. She enjoys experimenting with new techniques and materials to share with groups of all ages. From youth art camps at the Dallas Museum of Art, family programs at the Nasher Sculpture Center, maker workshops at the Perot Museum, to facilitating workshops at local breweries. Carolyn enjoys any opportunity to create and share with others. Committed to putting less waste in the world, she primarily shapes projects based on material donations received and repurposes old or worn items into something new. A forever student, Carolyn explores various creative outlets, from glass painting to paint pouring, fabric design to weaving and macrame, jewelry making to stained glass. A frequent traveler, museum goer, coffee drinker, beer sipper, concert goer, sun worshiper, mermaid in training, she enjoys any reason to be outdoors or to spend time with friends and family. Welcome to the podcast, Carolyn Marquez. Hello, Carolyn. How are you? It's so good to have you on the podcast. Hi. Yeah, I'm great. I'm really excited to be here. So I just want to jump right in and get to know you a little bit better so that our Lucky Star listeners can um, learn about your classes that you're teaching this year and all about you. So tell us about yourself. Where'd you grow up? Give us give us the brief, in-depth bio. <laughs> Short form. Brief. Brief, in-depth bio. I like that. Um, yeah, so I'm I'm from Texas. I was born and raised in the Dallas area. I've kind of lived a little bit all over, um, like, the Metroplex. Uh, my parents still live out near Denton, uh, where I grew up. Um, but I'm like, what else do you want to know, aside from where I'm from? Um, what were you like as a kid? <laughs> as a kid? Oh, super quiet. Um always reading, did a lot of reading, uh, and a lot of drawing. I was a lot to myself, uh, for sure. Yeah. So did you do any other crafty things besides drawing as a kid? Um, as a kid, I really wanted to be an animator. I was into that a lot. I used to draw Bugs Bunny quite a bit, but um, okay. I yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. Um, and then I also helped out my dad a lot. And he owned his own construction company growing up. So we, my sister and I were always kind of his little helpers. So I think that's where I first kind of became um, familiar with and interested in and comfortable with power tools. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, because you are certainly handy with power tools with what you do now. That, <laughs> yes. That's so cool. I always love to hear the backstory, you know, like, where where that comes from um I spent hours and hours as a kid my dad just kind of like on the side he was a 
a compressor mechanic for his job um, and ran a crew of guys and, and also instructed on um, compressor mechanics in the oil and gas business. But on the side, he would overhaul engines on trucks and cars and stuff. And he had a big shop. And I can't tell you how many hours my brother and I and my mom spent. Like, well, my brother and I would like play around near where he was working. And mom would take turns with us being the tool hander. You know, <laughs> he was on one of those little rolly things that slides under the car, you know, and, and he would stick his hand out from underneath the car, call for whatever, eight sixteenths, you know, like a, a quarter inch socket wrench, you know, and we would have to scurry over and find it and give it to him. So like, I, I can just imagine that you probably were in that same situation, probably hours spent having to tool around waiting for him to be done with his whatever project he was working on. Yeah, that's exactly right. I got really good at um, knowing how to hold a flashlight. It was one of those experiences <laughs> yeah, where my dad's like, <laughs> he's like, hold it so that I can see, not so you can see. And right. I was like, oh, uh. that, that makes so much sense. So yes, yeah, definitely a good, a good helper. And he, um, towards the end of his, business it, it you know in the 80s and 90s or whatever it was um things weren't he didn't have a lot of staff he had to really slim down to in order to make you know ends meet and so we would go on the weekends my sister and i and his dump truck we would go downtown and oh. go work on whatever corporate uh, he did commercial and so we would my job was to do all the the taping for the paint so i'm a really good oh. house painter i actually really like it and taping we and floating yeah. The t oh, yeah. Sheetrock and all that stuff. So I'm kind of handy at an early age. But aside from that, um, my parents worked a lot. So it was mainly just my sister and I and like in our own rooms doing our own thing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I personally have found that having an early exposure to those kinds of things, like also like my uncles had a big uh, farm and you know, mom would drive the grain truck sometimes for them. And I would be right beside her legs stuck to the hot vinyl seat in the summer with no AC, you know, on the way to the grain elevator to deliver the grain. And like, you know, she's driving a dump truck. So like, I just, I was fearless when it came to power tools and big construction equipment and that sort of thing because of that early exposure do you find you kind of are brave in that way for using those power tools oh for sure and I think that that's something that you know we all you just assume everyone's having the same experiences as you you know right. like we grew up kind of in the country not so much anymore it's more developed where my parents are but like my sister and I would mow the lawn, like we used the riding mower and he taught us how to change a tire. And so at one point in time, my sister and I are really close in age. We were working at the same company right out of college. And one of our coworkers had a flat tire and she was like waiting on someone to like help her. And we're like, oh, we could do that. And we changed her tire in like 15 minutes and it was no big deal. And she was like, how do you know how to do that? And I was like, yeah. I thought everyone knew how to do that, you know? Yeah. So definitely, yeah. And that's something that, Kind of, um, I really enjoy that teaching is that aha moment with my 
taught teens how to do, um, oh, I can't remember the class. I think it was a metalsmithing class. And these girls that were in my class were, didn't want to do, didn't want to use the power drill. They were nervous. And they, I was co-teaching with a, a male teacher and they wanted him to do it for them. And I was mm-hmm. like, no, you don't need him. Here, I'm going to show you. And we did it. And then they did it. And then it was like, I want to do that again. Like the excitement yeah. and that empowerment of like, oh, that's it's not a confidence scary. builder. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Okay. So where are you now? Where do you live? Um, I am in Richardson. So Dallas suburb. Um, yeah. I've been about here for about 12 years. Okay. What are you, where are you working? Um, I'm doing a lot of my own thing. So I um, am an educator. Um, I teach part-time at the Crow Museum of Nature and Science. Um, I teach in the maker programs there. So along those lines of the power tools and things, um, mm-hmm. I do a lot of uh, tech classes. Um, I'm an art, art, art person by background. Um, I have an art background and a friend of mine um, brought me into the science museum to kind of bring that experience to science because steam is a big thing so i take art projects and add kind of a level of tech to them so um we do things with circuits we do soldering for um electrical components so i made like laser wood laser cut led light up pins or really fun i learned how to use conductive thread so instead of using copper wire for your circuit to use thread and we made a light up um a brooch using felt. So um, I use a laser cutter and 3D printer. So that's been really cool because I, I love to learn new things and I love to find new ways to combine uh, mediums. Um, and I, just, I learned how to use a Cricut, which seems kind of like a basic craft material for a lot of people, but I've never used it before. So that's why I took the job. I'm only there a couple of days a week, but it's like, it's like learning for me. It's like school. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> and I get to experiment and try a lot of different um material combinations and projects and see kind of what works. Yeah. Um, That's yeah. great. Yeah, I really enjoy it. So I'm there a few days a week. And then aside from that, I've been, uh, since last year at Lucky Star, I've been teaching a lot of my own workshops um, at local breweries, trying mm-hmm. to get that um, business up and going. And then I also teach um, youth art camps at the Dallas Museum of Art in the summer. Okay. And I also, yeah, so I'm kind of t- always kind of teaching all different ages and groups, different types of mediums. So what is it about teaching you think that you love? Um, I think kind of back to that aha moment that we talked about, like when I was mm-hmm. teaching um, that group how to use the power tool, that kind of like, I feel like I am an explorer and I was reflecting a lot on this and I was trying to answer the questions that are kind of think about what you guys might ask me so I'm not I get a little deer in headlights sometimes um I like to explore and I like to experiment I as a kid always wanted to be an artist but I never thought that I was and so I feel like I was always trying to find like what my thing was like my sister is like an amazing painter and she's really good at ceramics and she was an APR and I always kind of looked up to her as like oh she's so good and I never tried for APR like I never I didn't think that I was that so I never applied for those things like I applied for all the art colleges and I got in and then I freaked out I was like oh (laughs) that's not me 
what if I, what if I change my mind or like art, I can't make a living with art and I like chicken, you know? So then I got into college and, um, I, my mom actually helped me find metal stiffing. I was working in a, on a design project at home. Um, I know I'm getting off our answer, but it kind of gets there. Um, (laughs) I was working on this project for a design class and we had to use just like aluminum wire to do a sculpture. It was like 3D design, basic, you know, freshman class. And she was like telling me, she's like, I was just watching you sitting on the couch, watching whatever show and you were taking this wire from flat. And you made these beautiful lilies in like two seconds and you weren't even looking at it. And she she was like, maybe you should take that metal smithing class. And I was like, I don't know. And I took it and I just loved it. It was so fun. And I was there all the time in the studio working on my projects that they asked me to be um, the lab monitor because on the weekend, if there's no one working there, you can't really use the studio. And I was like, so it was a win-win for me they would like allow me to be there and then I also got to help people with their projects like they would come and ask me questions and then I realized then I liked helping like I like to show you how to solder and like think about and brainstorm how can we best make this um ring come together like kind of do those creative problem solving and I was like oh that's cool (laughs) um but then from there I you know sold out and went to corporate for a while and came back to the teaching world but what corporate thing did you do um I worked at Fossil um was based here in Dallas the watch company and I was a jewelry designer there for a really long time um I don't mean like sold out it was I I wanted the job I got the job um and at the time it was a really really good thing for me um but um I was always volunteering on the side at the Dallas Museum of Art um and then kind of fell into education more so there I met Melissa Nelson Gonzalez, oh, yeah. fellow camper. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the teaching yeah. bug, I got bit from a different way from the museum <laughs> education side. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I just want to clarify, you started out, you didn't start out as an art major. What did you major in when you first mm-hmm. went to school? I was undecided. <laughs> okay. I was just doing the basics and I was I was in the art school with the intent of picking something, but I was thinking more like graphic design, communication design, or right. something I thought, you know, practical. I never thought I would get a BFA. Um, I thought I was kind of arts adjacent, like, you know, a dabbler. Right. But then when I took that metal smithing class, again, it was power tools. I wasn't scared of it. And it opened up this whole world where I had no idea that jewelry art existed that people made jewelry that would appear in a gallery versus like, it was a whole new, like, I didn't, who knew as a 17, 18 year old that there's art jewelry? Like what a oh, cool right. idea. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's great. So mm-hmm. then when you went to work for Fossil, mm-hmm. when you look back at that experience, what did you learn? Which, what was the takeaway from that? Oh, so many. Um, I think probably the biggest one is that we didn't, in my art program, metalsmithing, it was all about the making. I didn't really learn how to draw, like to tell someone else how to make something, like a technical drawing. That wasn't part of my curriculum. Um, And so (laughs) 
yeah, I had to learn how to really draw and I drew every single day. And I think that that really helped my practice because I had to draw things realistically, um, draw jewelry realistically and to scale. And with directions. And there you are right yep. back to that love you had as a yep. child drawing again. How cool. Yeah, it's it's definitely challenging. I don't draw to that like level now, but I can. Like if I'm thinking about how I want to make something, I'll do a rough sketch and I'll draw the front view, the side view, the back view. I'll sh draw out for myself how I would connect it in a very rough way. But I definitely thought more about construction and working in a jewelry industry where you had to tell a factory how to make something. Yeah. That's really cool. We have um, this Kerrville where I live is like the home of James Avery. The original store and design studio is still intact there. And they have a really cool kind of like a walkthrough, I guess you'd call it a museum, little tour well, you can actually go and watch through the windows, the designers sitting there designing and the crafters making the jewelry. It's really, it's really cool. It's a big operation. I mean, you can only imagine, you know, James Avery, same as Fossil. It's just, they're big businesses. And um, I think it's so cool, all the different steps and stages that those jewelry pieces go through. And to think that they do start with an idea and a sketch. And, and that's like the genesis of all of these beautiful pieces. I love that. I think that would be a cool class someday too. Because, you know, so many people, even, even with like sewing, there's that whole pattern making part that just gives you a whole new understanding of the thing that you're making, right? When you start with the very beginnings of it. And then, I don't know, it just, I, I think that would be something cool to offer someday too. So keep that in the back of your mind. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I think that that was one of the things that, one of the things that James Avery actually visited after camp last time I stopped by the oh, Kerrville. My, my mom loves James Avery and uh, yeah. like we grew up, you know, wearing it and buying it. And, I, and it oh, was yeah. a really cool setup, but it is that, cause they're craftsmen, like they make, Oh, yeah. all their jewelry there and they do like the um like the first samples and the prototypes were like from the fossil from corporate right like i'm just i'm drawing it and someone else is making it very separate yeah. from me so that i that's one of the reasons why i decided to switch um careers of what i was doing because i missed the actual making the actual part because yeah. i would come home you know from spending all of my creativity like drawing <laughs> for someone else the last thing i wanted to do was come home and make jewelry and yeah. um or do anything else anything related to, to it yeah. <laughs> like, absolutely not i'm a i'm a landscape designer for my job and like i do enjoy watering the plants especially during the summer just mostly because i can get in the hose you know like cool down but otherwise yeah you know the landscaper's yard is usually not the prettiest I know. I'm wearing like no the jewelry. Car yeah. is not the best. Running, yeah, that's just how it goes. It so, totally is. So you have taken your love of drawing and now metal smithing, and you've made a business out of it, as well as your love of teaching, and you've added that to 
make another income source um, for your business. So how, how is that going? Like, are you teaching workshops on a regular basis or how often are you teaching and where? Um, yeah, so I try to teach at least one workshop a month um, of my own. So when I'm teaching, like, say, for the pro or the Dallas Museum of Art, that's just kind of, like, a different. Like, I'm trying to make a goal of to yeah. do my own thing once a month. Um, and I kind of I started with breweries. I'm a big a craft beer person, and okay. I'm always going there anyway. And one of my first ideas I had, actually, right before I left Fossil is I wanted to bring metalsmithing to breweries because they usually have a great open space and I love the vibe and they always do like those painting classes there. Yeah. And then I realized I can't really bring in fire for torches. There's like a whole thing or also a lot of tools to purchase. So I started thinking of what I could do that would be more accessible. And so, um, Right now, I'm teaching mainly things using salvage materials. So I have leather and metal tins that I bring in. So everything's hand tools. Um, and I've been learning a lot. So I've been so, uh, my goal was once a month. But say, for example, in July, I have, oh, my God, I think 10 workshops this month. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> I have two this week. I actually have one tomorrow that I'm preparing for and another one on Saturday. I had one this past Sunday. So it's great. Um, the community, the craft beer community, there's, I think everyone, you know, really wants experiences right now. Like they don't want, yeah. like, I, I think about it the same for me. Like I'm not, I've never really been a consumer. And that was another reason why I switched careers because I was creating jewelry to be sold in retail. And I just want to create, like, I don't care yeah. about selling it. I just want to make stuff. Um, so the experiences I think is a really huge thing. So I'm just, I'm so like I look at my calendar and I'm like, how is this happening? But it's kind of a little bit blowing up right now. Um, awesome. It's really great. And then I've had a couple um, places approach me to teach. I'm going to be at a local distillery um, next week. Um, and then I'm doing a fundraiser at the Nasher Sculpture Center where, like where, where Melissa Gonzalez and Nelson mm -hmm. works. Listen, sorry, I can redo that. <laughs> Melissa um, Nelson Gonzalez. Yes, I knew her, her previous name, yeah. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm doing their kind of big donor event. They bring in 10 artists. And again, I have a hard time with that word, the big A artist, but I'm one of the 10 artists that I'm going to be at their event doing arts and crafts and making projects with all the donors on their big, like, fundraising events, so... That's um, so awesome. Saying it out loud, I just get a little like, whoo, like it feels real, <laughs> like it's so cool. Like I'm excited to have these opportunities. Heck yeah. So I've asked this question of others before on the podcast. What is it about that word artist that makes us go, oh, I, it makes me feel weird to even call myself that. What? What do you think it is about the history of art? The like, what has changed? Ha has anything changed? You know, what is it about that word that makes us really have to get up our confidence to call ourselves that? Do you, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I I still struggle with it. Um, I think 
because as a kid, the word artist, right? Like I looked at my sister and I thought she is an artist, right? Because she's making paintings. She's like the more traditional frame of art or traditional medium of art. Um, and to me, an artist was someone who was actively working on a collection of art with the purpose of hanging it in a gallery or having a show and selling mm-hmm. it, right? Mm-hmm. And that was, I always felt like I was a dabbler. It wasn't actually until a couple of years ago. I just, when people asked me what I did, I would get anxious because I was like, well, I mean, I'm teaching this after school program and I'm like doing this thing at the DMA sometimes and I don't, I'm messing around, you know, and then I don't know where I found the word multidisciplinary artist and the oh, word maker. So I found like, you know, titles that I felt more comfortable with, but still yeah. the big the big A artist doesn't feel right to me, <laughs> you know? And I think Melissa has talked to me about that as well, the big A artist versus the small A artist. Um, right, yeah. But yeah, I think it's... that now it's different because you see people on social media so much. Everyone's creating, and you can see it. I think that we see the artist in the process more than, say, when we were mm-hmm. younger, before, you know, the Internet and everything. Um it seems maybe a little bit more okay to say it because we see that more people are doing it that aren't doing gallery shows or I don't know. It's a good question. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's something that comes up a lot with Mm -hmm. our lucky star folks. You know, I was just going to say, I do see the art and other things besides the obvious, the painting that, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and I even take it a degree further because I feel like there's cooking is art, you know, there, there are so many different forms of art, photography, obviously all these things that you're right. Like we do see the process more and gosh, that's gotta be so good for especially kids, you know, and young adults to see people on social media doing their craft and then making money from that and just opening their eyes to this other source of income, you know, and to make, you can, you could make a living doing that and it, and it, you can have a job and do it on the side until someday, if you want to make it bigger until, you know, it grows into your main source of revenue. So I, I think it is like a a knee-jerk reaction for a lot of people to kind of, you know, shy away from that word artist. But it, I, I feel like we need to embrace that and make it more accessible for more people and especially those young adults out there um, who may be, you know, struggling with it too. We can lead by example and say, heck yeah, you know, I'm an artist. And especially mm-hmm. you, good grief. You are work you're a working artist. <laughs> you could be a big A artist. <laughs> I still don't feel that. Like I like maker, <laughs> you know, but I've been trying to like say that word more in my like, you know, messaging, outward messaging, even on my like signature of my email, trying to put that yeah. in there. Um, but I even last year I was thinking so last year was my first Lucky Star experience. Um I was supposed to teach in 2020. Obviously, we know that didn't happen. So yeah. very <laughs> prolonged. But I, um, there were a class, I wanted to take the abstract art painting class. 
mm-hmm. with Leslie. Um, but I, I held myself back. I was nervous. I, I hadn't been. I didn't know the vibe. And I was like, you know, I'm not a painter. I'm not going to take that class. Like, I didn't. I wanted to take it, but it was the, the big A. Like, I felt like, oh, like, you know, I couldn't do that. And then once I got there and I met everybody, <laughs> I felt the vibe. And I was like, foolish me. I should have taken that class. <laughs> yeah, you totally should have taken it. I was worried about not being good enough. Like, you you know, like, I didn't want to get, like, you know, happy, like, the crappy painting in a sea of like all these amazing artists but that's not the vibe at all it's not competitive it's not like you know I didn't know what to expect um yeah I have been so pleasantly surprised at what an amazing group of women whatever you know whatever it is we're putting out there it's drawing in some really cool down-to-earth welcoming awesome women that yeah like you said there's there's certainly no competitive feel at all when you get there and no judgment on especially on art but on anything you know it's just uh, if I if I could say anything <clears throat> and I'm not trying to toot my own horn here but <laughs> Because, I, I mean, I can't decide who comes. You know what I mean? I just put it out there and whoever comes, comes. It's these people, these women who come that make it such a great experience for one another. You know? So I'm, I'm super, in, that was an interesting story because we could have some new campers out there listening and maybe that would encourage them to go ahead and take that class that they may be intimidated by because there's no no need for intimidation. Everybody is in a different season of learning and skill and everyone's welcome. What kinds of things do you like to do outside of work in your business? Um, well, I do always... <laughs> I'm always have a list of art projects I want to try. So that's, I do do, that is part of my big hobby too, where I'm like, let me try painting on this. And I say I'm not a painter, but I do paint because I do <laughs> summer camps and kids like to paint. Um, so oh, yeah. I, I realize I do really like that. So I'm using experimenting for something for an upcoming um, project. Like, oh, well, let me see if painting on leather will work. Okay. How about paint pens on leather? It's kind of a little bit like a science, I guess, approach for me, like yeah. trial and error. Um, aside from that, I mean, man, pre-COVID times, uh, I'm a big, big traveler. Um, yeah. And I have a really good friend in Germany, and we would do a big, really big trip a year. We'd meet each other somewhere in the world. And then I have friends in New York. I visit a lot. My sister's in Ohio. So I'm usually, once a month, I typically would be flying or driving somewhere and, and traveling. I love to experience um new cultures and cuisines. Even when I went down to Lucky Star, um, the first time I cushioned my trip a few days and I did like some solo travel in the hill country. I went to Bernie, I went to Lukenbach, yeah, you know, yeah. I just really want love to be somewhere different and see new landscapes, you know. Oh, yeah. me too. I love traveling. It just mm-hmm. gives you such a different perspective on life, you know, it's so inspiring my husband and I just got back from Denver. Um, we go, it's kind of like my Christmas present, our Christmas present to each other, I, I feel. 
Um, we go see the Avet Brothers play at Red Rocks Amphitheater every summer in July. And number one, that place is just so cool. If you've never been to Red Rocks, you've got to go see a concert there. It's a cool place to go anyway, but to see a concert there is really just amazing. And, you know, obviously to get out of Texas and go to Colorado during the summer months is always a good thing. Although it was really hot while we were there this time, except for the last day, we got that nice, beautiful front that came in that just cooled things down like by 28 degrees. But this particular trip, we kind of got outside of our box and we went to this cool place called Ophelia's Soapbox. It's in Denver and it's part of this restaurant group that we really like. But they have, it has this cool sunken stage. So, you know, we were like sitting at our dinner table overlooking the stage and this guy that I'd never heard of was playing and we are like, let's just go, let's just check it out. Ended up being really cool and a different kind of music from what I normally would listen to, but it was really enjoyable, really fun. And then even just seeing this guy's style, you know, it's just like, oh yeah, you know, he's really, he's doing something different. And it's just, it, it gets your mind going, you know, it just gives you, it, it lets you see, traveling lets you see how other people live outside of your little bubble because we all kind of end up doing a lot of the same things, especially, you know, in your friend groups and whatever. And it's just so good. It's good for the soul. It's good for people in general. It's also good for just understanding one another, you know, understanding people that are maybe different from you in a deeper way. And it makes you more compassionate and empathetic. And it's just, I think it's just a healthy thing to do. And we, on the Sunday night, we ended up going to a rockabilly concert unexpectedly. <laughs> and like, that's another genre that I'm typically not listening to, but one of my friends from high school suggested it. And it was so much fun. Like totally not my normal and so much fun. So I'm with you on the travel thing. I can't wait to get to a point someday where we have more time to travel and, and you know, when things are a little bit, I don't know if we're ever going to get normal, but, you know, whatever it is, I'm ready. I'm ready to get back out there. Yeah. I'm so jealous of your Red Rocks. That is such on my list um, to go to. It sounds like you had an amazing time. Oh, Yeah. It's a must. It's a must do for every mm. bucket list. <laughs> yeah. I tend to find a lot of different reasons to travel. I'm thankful, thankful and unthankful. I wish everyone lived here, but a lot of my close friends live in other places. And so I always, the number one is to see them, but I'm always like, and there's this art exhibit I want to go to. So I'm going to go yeah. to New York at this time to see, you know, whoever it is yeah. at the time. Or, hey, I'm going up in a couple weeks to go see a concert of a band that I want to see who's I already saw here and now they're playing in New York and I was like, Hey, do you want to go with me? And so planning those trips around also a fun experience, I think is a cool way to approach travel because why not? You know? Absolutely. And you know, like 
I, it takes someone planning it, right? And I am not the best at that. My husband, thank goodness, is. So it takes at least someone, you know, a friend or mm-hmm. your partner, whatever, who is willing to do the tedious work of making the plans. But it's just, it's so important to just get it on the calendar. And then, I mean, and a lot of times we like put it on the calendar and then we figure out how to pay for it after it's on the calendar. You know what I mean? And you just, you, you figure it out. But once it's there, mm-hmm. you have that thing to look forward to. And I think that's also a really awesome, healthy way to live. You know, to always have something to look forward to on your calendar. So yeah. Travel, travel is that for us, mm-hmm. for sure. Well, tell us about what classes you're offering this year at Lucky's Talk. Yeah, so I'm offering, um, what am I doing? Oh, a little different this year. So once I discovered there was a metalsmithing studio there at Camp mm-hmm. Waldemar, I was like, oh, hey, <laughs> that gives me more ideas. And I, um, I'm talking with a lot of the ladies last year that seemed to be a big interest. Um, of there. So I designed a, a class where we're going to do kind of like an intro to metalsmithing. Um, one of this, this project, actually, I've taught to teenagers before, and it's a really great way um, to learn a lot of different techniques in one project. So we're going to be designing um, a pendant. So we're going to be using some of those design skills that we talked about earlier, trying to figure out how to make an open work pendant. So thinking about patterns and what areas you'll cut out, what areas you'll leave. Um, mm-hmm. So with that project, you'll um, this campus will learn how to to drill, will learn how to saw and file and polish, and in the end, they'll have a pendant with a cutout pattern of their own design. So um, that's cool. that's going to be really fun, and I'm excited because that studio is an intimate space. I think I'll have about eight campers fit in there. Um, well, so I think that'll be uh, a really cool experience. Oh yeah, that gives everyone that hands-on attention that I love. I think it's important. And then I'm also teaching um, two extras. I've never taught an extra before, but I wanted to um, also um, show how to do soldering. And that was something I think that people also too don't get to learn a lot on it. It's like a kind of who has a torch just hanging around, you know? Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, so we're gonna, that, that one's a little intimidating too. For but sure. Yeah, what a cool skill to have. It is. And it's super fun. And so I thought as an extra, it'll be something just short and sweet. Like we're going to make um, just a simple band ring. And that's something that's actually really achievable. If you already have wire and the right tools, it will be able to, everyone will be able to make solder and um, wear a ring, like get a ring out of the yeah, extra that's class. So cool. Super that's fun. Awesome. Um, and then the other extra I'm doing is actually a mini version of a workshop I teach a lot here um, at, at the breweries, like I mentioned, where we're going to use um, like old tea tins and cookie tins um, mm-hmm. and um, salvage leather. And we're making holiday ornaments um, as that. So last year I taught um, a jewelry class with the same type of material. So this is a mini version where you make an ornament, a holiday ornament. Well, those classes sound so exciting. I think those are going to be a big hit this year. I know um, your classes last year definitely were. So um, I'm excited about that, especially the metal smithing. That's been something that I've always wanted to learn how to do. 
maybe I can sneak into one of those classes this year. Yes, I would love from from the layout of the room. There's two. So the reason why I limit eight is because there are like kind of the home base is a bench pin in, in the metals and jewelry world. So we all need a place to saw. But there are yeah. two rogue sawing stations that are in there. Um, mm. So you could fit 10. It's a little tight. So I prefer eight. Yeah. But you could always come in and use one of those ones that aren't on the main table. And it'll be just fine. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great <laughs> space. That's a really cool space they mm -hmm. have here. Okay, so in terms of class materials, I can imagine that the people who are flying in are like, oh, you know, am I going to be able to take that class? So how, what are your, what are your plans for that? Yeah, that's something I thought a lot about, actually. I didn't know last year how many people um, traveled from so far, and I would have made my hula hoop weaving class that I would, a lot of people said they didn't take it because they couldn't bring a hula hoop, and I would have totally brought some if I knew that that was an issue. So now knowing that people travel for this, um, I, so the holiday ornaments, Nothing is needed. I provide all of those tools. I already have that, that equipment because I teach those workshops um, here um, in Dallas. So that pretty much people just bring a sketch sketch pad and a paper, I mean a pencil. Um, and then for the metalsmithing class, um, I'm going to bring in the torch. And then I'm doing a kit, which I kind of wrestled with what to do. Last year, people said that they really expressed the interest of having the tools as part of the kit oh, yeah. so that they could practice at home. So in the kit, I'm, everyone's getting a saw um, and all the materials they need. So they're not required to bring um, any tools. I'm going to have a kit for that class. So Yeah. And I should say also that if you are coming from afar and you're worried about, you know, having certain supplies there and also getting back home with your art projects or whatever supplies that you may have purchased in a kit, you can you have the option to ship it out. I, I will, if you'll box it up mm -hmm. and address it and have it ready, I will take them to the post office on that Monday morning after camp. So don't let that hold you back. There are, there are options there for those people who are traveling a great distance and having to fly in. So where Caroline, can our listeners find you um, out in the world? Like on social the media. social media? Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so my name is Carolyn, but my nieces call me Kiki. So that's kind of morphed into my little business entity. So on Instagram and Facebook and my website, it's Kiki Knows Art. Um, that's kind of my handle that I go for. I have another alter ego, Kiki Knows Texas that I use for uh, travel stuff, but Kiki Knows oh, Art cool. is where you can find. Yeah, yeah, I started that one first, and I kind of been just kind of owning the Kiki brand. Um, yeah. Yeah, um, so that would be where you can find, I'm posting uh, recaps on all of my um, art classes that I've been teaching, and then also any, if you guys are local to Dallas, and of course, Lucky Star information will be posted there as well. Cool. Okay, I ask, Every one of my podcast interviewees this question, and it's kind of put me on the spot a little bit because I don't tell people I'm going to ask because I want like just a spur of the moment kind of a energy for it. You know, I talk about 
well, we have show and tell at camp. <clears throat> that was one of my favorite things as a kid. On Fridays, we would have show and tell at school. If you had to show and tell something right now, what would you pick? What would it be? It could be a book, a movie, um, something that you're working on, a class that you've got coming up, something you want to learn about, anything. Okay. Obviously, you can't show us, but you can tell us. That's true. That's true. Um, so I actually didn't participate in show and tell because, um, again, that whole, like, I don't know, I'm, I just recently listened to Melissa's podcast where I have horoscope um, astrology in my mind. She was like, I'm a Leo, so I don't mind being in front of people. I'm like, I'm a Virgo. Is that part of it? I don't know. But um, I'm not big on the look at me attention. Um, but now that I know show and tell is not like that, I will definitely be sharing this year. But um, I'm actually put some work out there yesterday. I have two little pieces on view at a brewery. They're doing a pop-up art show for the week. And I made two little um, leather and tin uh, ghosties. They're like kind of like inspired by Pac-Man, you know, blinky pinky, oh, yeah. the little ghosties. Oh, yeah. So I made a little pair of them um, out of um, leather and tin. And those are hanging um, on the wall in the brewery. But I also have this little piece I've been experimenting with painting on glass. It's really acrylic sheet, but it's transparent. And I drew, I made a little um, cupcake. So you use Sharpie, you like draw the outline of whatever your graphic is. And then you paint it from, everything's from the back. So you have to layer your paint. But it's Ooh. really interesting technique, but it looks so glossy and shiny, like a little comic Ooh. book thing. Yeah. yeah. So I'm... For some reason that made me think of Shrinky Dinks. It does. Yes, me too. It does. It does I resemble Shrinky Dinks. Shrinky Dinks. <laughs> of course yeah. you can't shrink them. But yeah. But those are the two things on that kind of material. Yeah. That's cool. And it was... Oh, sorry. I keep talking over you. I know we're not supposed to do that. But cut it out. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Well, I've really enjoyed having you on the podcast today and getting to know you a little better. I'm really looking forward to your classes at Lucky Star this November, and I, I just can't wait for it. And I'm so thankful for your time today and for you to be there for our 10th anniversary. I'm so looking forward to it. I, I can't wait, especially now that I know the lay of the land and how good that food is. <laughs> and the, and the <laughs> right? company, and the company, of course, is going to be a great time. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Carolyn. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Lucky Star is a women's art and whole living sleepaway camp that takes place each fall in the Texas Hill Country. For dates and more information about our upcoming camps, visit our website at www.luckystarartcamp.com or Find us on Instagram at Lucky Star Art Camp.